Hey metalheads, you like tattoos? Of course you do. If you're in the Louisville, Kentucky area, come on over the bridge to Clarksville, Indiana and get you some ink done at Ageless Art. If ink isn't your thing, they have a piercing studio as well. Visit agelessartclarksville.com to see some frequently asked questions, meet the staff. The shop is open Monday through Thursday, 12 to 8 p.m., Saturdays, 12 to 10 p.m., and Sundays, 12 to 6 p.m., all appointment-only spots. You can set up your appointments by phone at 812-283-1793 or email agelessarttattooandpiercing at gmail.com and someone will get you set up for your first or your next tattoo or piercing. Hey, Metalheads, after going to a Rager, what's your ultimate go-to? Mine is totally pizza. So when Overload is playing or I'm promoting the Metal Forge Live showcases or the big goddamn metal show, I go to Pizza Donisi. Pizza Donisi is gourmet artisan pizza from right here in Louisville, Kentucky. It features things like the pizza of the month, the sandwiches, and also vegetarian and vegan options, which is so totally fucking cool for all, all of it's It's awesome pizza. You definitely want to go. Hey, and also, from time to time, they do cannolis. Oh, so fucking good. You know what they said, man. Leave the gun, take the cannoli. Yeah, just like that in Godfather. They're located right next to the Mag Bar at 1396 South 2nd Street. So either stop in or call in at 502-213-0488. They're open till midnight. The witching hour. Heineken? Fuck that shit! Pax Blue Ribbon! Hey, metalheads, you all hear me talk about Magbar all the time. It is the home to the Metal Forge Live showcases and is an integral stop in the Ultimate Underground Metal Tour schedule. They obviously feature live music, but the Magbar also has daily specials like Pint and Slice Night on Tuesdays with Pizza Donisi, but they also do Bring Your Own Vinyl on Thursdays with DJ Kent Jackson and Finer Things Sundays located right next to Pizza Donisi at 1398 South 2nd Street open 3pm to 4am 7 days a week get your asses out to the mag bar rock out For 45 years in keeping Louisville weird, Electric Ladyland has been there for all your eccentricities. While they do offer the best smoking supplies out on the market today, there's a whole lot more to check out. From ashtrays and blacklight posters, to records, incense and burners, and items to stock your metaphysical supply. They are open from 10 to 10, 7 days a week. Located at 2325 Bardstown Road in Louisville, Kentucky, and at electricladyland420.com. Roll out. 
the year was 1979, and all the world was caught up in disco and Star Wars. But in Louisville, something was happening. A young entrepreneur named Ben had a vision to be the best record store in all of the city. Fast forward to 2023, and Better Days Records is still going strong. Still, after all these years, owned by the same guy. We have had some trips and falls along the way, but so does life, and Better Days is here to stay. With two awesome locations at 921 Barrett Avenue and at 2600 West Broadway, Better Days are surely in your future. In a broken wasteland, I come to my fire. Blood and steel upon my fire. What's going on, Metalheads? Thank you for tuning in to another week of the Metal Forge. You know who I am. Uh, by the way, uh, Jason Gardner from the Heavy Metal Wasteland is here. He's. This is becoming a regular thing, Jason. Hello. Hello. Yeah, uh, and this week our guest is Mr. Tom Jordan from the band 20 Watt Tombstone. Jason, you set this up. Because of the the interesting post about some, uh, we're gonna get into it into the com- into the conversation, but uh, his merch merch cut uh, post is why why we did yeah. this, and this is more of a uh, of just a real like shop talk conversation between between dudes in a band from yeah. vo- from various levels of, of music. Yeah, I would say he's probably uh, way above me and you uh, as far as like uh, band status goes. I mean, he's known nationally. They tour nationally. They they get pretty good guarantees every show. Right. So he's definitely a, he's definitely a place I'd like to be at. But it was just awesome listening to his um, thoughts and insights on um, small band problems. Because, dude, I I got such a kick out of listening to it. And. Um, I'm not gonna get into any spoilers, obviously, but there, there's a there's a recent post he put about um, people yelling out uh, cover song request, which cracked me up, and I wish uh, I wish he was posted that when we did the interview. But uh, yeah, I totally agree with him uh, on that post also. So. Right. Yeah, he was fun to talk to, you, man. He he uh, he really didn't care and just like cut it, or he just cut he just cut through the shit and just said it like it was. Yeah, without. and and that's great, and I wish more people would do that. And, you know, re-listening to this while I was doing the cut, mm-hmm. uh, you know, getting rid of my stutters and shit like that, that like I always do. But, like, what got me about it was 
just like the balls out aspect of it's like no man these people about when we get into the draw conversation you know that is like that like really cements my my mode of thinking over the last month about kicking out what's old and bringing in what's new and you know focusing on that rather than just um what the hell ever you know whatever big band is doing this month or year or whatever yeah i mean i've told you this before in private but except for like a few bands i absolutely love priest maiden uh ecdc stuff like that i think my big show days are over like i even get annoyed when i have to get like a thousand debut uh anymore i'm just like dude if it's like a hundred or less count me in like anymore you know i'm just like i'm so tired of the big shows with the with the jacked up prices for no reason yeah love our beers and shit like that you know it just i'm just done with it man like i you can talk to the band before and after you can get up close no uh there's no stupid meet and greets where you're you know barred from talking sometimes there is like sometimes eh, there is sometimes but you know those are you can circumvent them by just like going to find them in a small place right for sure yeah but anyways, uh, we're going to play some 20-watt Tombstone here. Dude, what do you want to play? Uh, anything is good because he actually picked the last song we're going out with. So other that was my favorite song by his or theirs. So, uh, yeah, just anything. I'm good. <laughs> All right. So anyways, yeah, uh, we're uh, starting something new here. This is uh, uh, the first uh, time we're going to talk about it flamekeeper.vip you can go there sign up it's the patreon page um, but it's you you're the vip right hell yeah and what do they get for signing up this week jason well if you sign up or have been signed up you will get the uncut version of tom jordan's interview plus a bunch of other stuff that we have on there that you can just scroll down and find whether it be exclusive videos or early release like uh, this episode will be so but you didn't say you said it was an exclusive uncut but you didn't say it was the uncut video oh yeah well i guess i should mention that yeah it'll be the uncut video nothing done to it except for yeah you're gonna add the metal forge logo on the front of it and and are you even gonna do that um, I wasn't going to, but I can. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I it's like the first video Metal Forge, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so... Well, yeah. this is breaking news. Uh, you haven't sent me the Metal Forge logo, so I'll have to have that. Oh, yeah, wow. Holy shit. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, sign up, and you know what? Let's go ahead and listen to some 20-watt Tombstone here. This is... What is it? God damn. And it's in honor the big goddamn metal show. See, now you got me thinking about it, fucker.
What's going on, metalheads? We are back this week with uh, Jason Gardner from the Heavy Metal Wasteland and Temptations Wings. Jason, what's up? What's up, everyone? Uh, And, oh, oh, what? Go ahead, say it. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. 
Glad to be back from the wasteland, he says. Yeah. Uh, and we are here with Mr. Tom Jordan from 20 Watt Tombstone. Dude, what is up? Thanks for having me. Dude, thank you for coming on the show. Like I said, uh, by by the time this airs, it might be in a few weeks, might be in a month. I don't know because everything is crazy right now. Um, but like, you were just here in Louisville for Fists of Riffs, fucking, uh, you know, rad times, whatever. Um, dudes, like, what's going on with 20 Watt now? You know, like, what are you all planning to do? Uh... Actually, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So COVID kind of knocked us out of commission for a little bit. And um, my drummer decided to have a baby. Uh, well, like his girlfriend personally? decided to have a baby. He had a role in it, but he didn't physically give birth to the baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope he was a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if if he was able to have babies, I would certainly hope that he would be making a living uh, using that wonderful gift that he had been blessed with, rather than playing rock and roll. But uh, but anyway, yeah. So um, him and his lady, um, you know, had a, had their first child. So that's been uh, that's been a big thing. And um, so with COVID and the new baby and stuff, it just kind of made us unable to tour for a couple of years in there. And so we worked on the new record, which is done now, which should be out um, late summer from the look of things. We're still waiting on vinyl. So when we get word on vinyl, we'll actually have our release date. Um, but everything else is done. Everything else is paid for. Like we're literally just waiting for vinyl. Um, but the name of that record will be the chosen few. And um, we got a new music video coming out. We got two tours booked. Um, we got one coming up in September, and then we're going to do one in November. So it's it's going to be a busy year promoting the new record. Fuck yeah! And you know, while we're on the subject of touring, Jason and I were talking about this uh, off off air, and I'm going to bring this up to the forefront. Is we thought of a perfect duo uh, to tour with you is the laid back country picker. <laughs> I've seen that dude. Yeah. Like yeah, uh, have you seen him live? No, well I've seen videos oh, of yeah. them live. Like video is cool, but fucking actually in person it's it's magical, isn't it, Jason? Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. I was actually the one who uh brought that up brought that up actually. Yeah, he did. That that is totally his idea. <laughs> You are the first people that have brought that up, but you are not the first people that have mentioned that band to me saying they're awesome live. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For for sure. And dude is like an economics teacher <laughs> in high school. Oh, no shit. <laughs> yeah. Really? And, and now he's like caught fire and he's like going to L.A. this year and fucking it's like <laughs> just fucking him and him and honey in the in the fucking Cadillac. You know, wow. <laughs> so That's awesome. yeah, he's totally, totally a cool dude. So, um, but anyways, uh, speaking of touring and playing out, this is really the bulk of what the episode, I think is what we were going to talk about on here was 
Um, in the in the the game of playing music, you know, we have the these stupid fucking things that we have to fucking do, and we all don't think it's right. And like you know, selling tickets like pay to play shit always sucks. You know, you gotta sell thirty tickets or you don't get fucking shit, and you know that fucking bullshit. But then there's also like the radius clauses, and now the fucking big thing is like uh, venues taking cuts of fucking merch. And I hear you've got a really strong opinion on this as well. So, um, the, I do. <laughs> the first time, literally the first time I ever got like asked that from a venue was playing at the whiskey in 2012. They, they counted all of our, all of our, uh, t-shirts and shit, apparel based shit. They, they charge 10 fucking percent on. And it's like, what? Yeah. Usually it's your soft merch. Usually they don't take your, your, your CDs and stuff, but some do. Yeah, but some do. And it's fucking garbage. It's like, there's no fucking reason behind that, in my opinion. It's just a fucking, a way to tax fucking bands. Oh, there's a reason. It's just not a, it's just not a good reason. Yeah. No, it's just right. greed. That's all. Well, here, here's the thing. So, first I have to ask, where did you hear about my opinion? Who told I, you? I read it. <clears throat> I read it on Facebook. Uh, I read, read it, it on Facebook. Lot. It was dude. It was masterful. I was like, I've never my band. My band's not at the point to where anyone thinks that we they need to take a cut from us. So I was like, well, I guess you can kind of see the badge of honor. Like, oh well, you know, twenty one tombstones big enough to where the the this um, promoter uh, decided that you were big enough to take a cut of t shirt sales because he thought that you were like uh, you know sell a lot of shirts, obviously. Um, but your response was just amazing. Like I was like, dude, one day. I will have a response just like this and I will be, I'll be more than happy to write it. (laughs) You know, I, I appreciate that. Um, that post actually got a lot of traction and people shared it all over the place. And I had, um, like this huge influx of friend requests for like three days after that post. Right. Um, and, and really, so just to be clear, um, that post was directed at a festival, in a B market mm-hmm. that was drawing on average 150 to 200 people yearly. Um, and they wanted 20% of soft merch. Right. Um, and how it was put to me was, you know, the guy hit us up. First of all, I, I won't say, I won't say which festival this was because I don't, uh, I don't believe in, Naming those kind of people, they are going to make their own bed, and it's exactly. it's going to be their demise. I I won't need to name them or start any shit. But um, this was a rural festival in a B market, not drawing a huge amount of people, not a huge amount of staff needed to do this. It's also a festival to where they could get sponsors and stuff like that to cover their costs. Mm-hmm. I do a festival in Wisconsin. I get sponsors to help me. I don't charge merch on, on bands. Uh, I never will um, because the profit margins are already not great. You know, right. bands are already not making much. Um, but this festival was a blues festival, which was my first red flag because we're not a blues band. 
And the guy hit me up and was like, hey, you know, we really want you to play this festival. And uh, I said, well, we're not a blues band. And he goes, yeah, yeah, you know, you just do your thing. And I'm like, okay, okay. Um, but you need to understand, like, we're we're not the band that you can say you need to play this amount of blues and this amount of whatever. Like, we do what we do, and that's just what it is. Like, we don't really have blues tunes. So he was good with that. And uh, I told him he would probably have to talk to our booking agent, but that I wanted to get the details before I sent him to the booker so that I wasn't wasting anybody's time. You know, because the last thing I want to do is send somebody to our agent and then have him have to go through the bullshit that I went through and then say no, because that's a waste of his time. So anyway, um, the guy was like, you know, this is the fest. It's a great fest, blah, 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 blah. The typical, you know, we do such an awesome job speech. And, uh, you know, and, and I said something about that I needed to, you know, talk to Mitch, my drummer, and to our booker. And he's like, yeah, and it's awesome and blah, blah, blah. And we even give you somebody to sell your merch for you. And all we ask for it is 20% so you guys can go hang with your crowd and do making it sound like he was doing me a favor. Like, oh, we're going to do you this big favor and we're only going to take 20%, which first off, 20% is high. It's real high. Um, and... So <laughs> that began my tirade back to this guy. So I nicely said, well, um, if we have to pay you 20%, like I'm going to need X amount of dollars from you to put in on the order. And he's like, well, I think you're confused. I meant that, that you, have pay, you have to pay me. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. If you're going to expect 20%, this is the math worked out of what I need from you on a merch order, typically of about $1,500. This is the amount I'm going to need from you in order for you to make your 20%. And it confused the hell out of him. Like, he was just like, uh, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> and uh, so, <laughs> so I'm like, no, I didn't understand. And it didn't misunderstand you. I think you misunderstand me. And I'm like, if you are going to take something from someone, it's customary that you pitch in on the product. If you're an investor in a company, you make money after you invest money. You don't just walk up to another company and say, I didn't invest any money. Now give me your money. That's not how it works. Um, so he was, he was like just not ready for this conversation. So I kind of laid into him a little more and explained to him that the economy of the music scene is not great since COVID. Like we've got venues closing all over the country. We've got bands costs for touring, which are way higher than they normally are. All right. So fuel has been, uh, you know, a problem and we all drive like crazy. So, I mean, that's a huge cost right there. Food's up, gas is up, all of it's up. Touring in general has almost doubled in cost for most bands that are doing it. Um, you know, so it's, it's a bad time to be feeding on people that are still struggling even more so than, you know, pre COVID. So I kind of laid into dude and I kind of called him a vampire and told him he was feeding on the corpses of dead bands and dying bands and he should be ashamed of himself. And, uh, honestly, the best part for me though, of the whole thing was I quoted, Chris Tucker from the movie Friday. I said, in the words of Chris Tucker 
from the amazing movie Friday. You ain't put in on this, man. <laughs> that was my favorite part. Like, I felt like when I said that, I was just like, you know what? Send. That's it right there. <laughs> like, I was, that was my mic drop moment. But, uh, you know, he kind of went back and forth with me for a little while. And I don't think he had anybody really argue the points that I made to him. So even though he was pissy about it, I felt like he kind of had heard some new information that maybe he didn't have before. But he finally got back to me. This was after like three or four replies. And he's like, well, I don't know why you're fighting with me about it. Just say no. And I'm like, well, I did. <laughs> but then I told him, I said, you know, you change your merch policy. Like, yeah, we'll come play. But the other point that I made, and I feel like this is kind of, for me anyway, and my band, this is the biggest problem with the merch cut thing. I don't have a problem paying people to do work. If you're going to do the work, you should be paid for it. But you should be able to do that job well. Now, here's the problem with paying some stranger to do your merch. First of all, they don't know your inventory at all. And what job ever hires anybody and goes, you don't need to know the product, but here you go, sell it. Right. That's not how any business works, you know? So for me, I have a kid that does our merch and he does a fantastic job and he sells a ton. And the reason he sells a ton is he knows the product. When people come up and ask him what the shirts are made out of, he can tell them this shirt, this shirt, and this shirt are on Gildan Soft Style. This shirt over here is Bella Canvas Tri-Blend. He knows that stuff. He also has a card reader. He knows state tax. Um, he knows when the new album is coming out. He knows who recorded it. He knows where you know everything was done if people have questions. So I don't mind giving him money to do that. Now, if those people could do all of those things and I could give him the night off, you know, whatever. Right. But I don't even pay him 20%. He makes 15 So here's a guy who's skilled has done this for years, knows the product, knows the music, knows the people, you know, in different cities that come to the table. They know him. Um, you know, so there's an advantage to having someone like that. And to me, there's zero advantage to having some stranger sell my stuff. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of stuff. We have, you know, it, depending on the time, We've done skate decks and dugouts and two different styles of hats. And we have eight different t-shirts currently. Like that's a lot to manage. Mm -hmm. He knows all of it, you know? So it's one of those things where for me, the biggest issue is not as much giving them the money. It's giving them the money to do the job poorly. That bothers me. Um, and he's already on the payroll. So if I give him the night off, he's pissed. And I probably got to have him go sit out in the van. And then he's going to be asking me for his per diem, you know, for a day that he didn't work. So it's it's one of those things where it's like for bands who have a merch guy, you have this this thing going already. And what they want to do kind of fucks with that. So that's my uh, very long-winded take on that subject. <laughs> no, absolutely. And that's the... For me, you're, you're. I think you're absolutely right. You know, it, it's it's almost like you know. Well, if you want twenty fucking percent, then how about and you're going to supply the person? Then fuck you. No, I, I'm going to supply my own person. Mm -hmm. 
you know, just get, no, fuck off. Fuck that. (laughs) Well, and the other thing, too, to bear in mind is this whole thing was kind of started to a degree by Live Nation. Live Nation venues always charge a merch cut, and that's just, that's been the case for a while. Um, So Live Nation kind of set this trend. And it's my understanding that they have increased the amounts that they're taking and other venues have seen it and now kind of copied it. But here's my thing with the the Live Nation thing. So I don't like merch cuts, period. Let me just say that for the record. I don't like them. I think there are other ways to pay your employees. However, I understand why a 600-cap room does it. You know, if you have 150 employees, there's considerable cost in running a bigger venue. I don't agree with it, but I understand their thinking. I know why they do it. What blows my mind is smaller venues doing it. You know, venues who have like a 12-person staff, uh, you know, or even smaller. I've heard of some venues that are like 150-cap rooms that are trying to charge a merch cut where they have like two bartenders, a door guy, and an owner, and they're trying to take a merch cut. You don't need to do that when you have that small of a staff. There's no reason to do it. I mean, if you do, then you're running your room poorly, you know? So I guess my stance on everything is that uh, for smaller rooms, I think it is just pure greed. I don't agree with it at all. Bigger rooms... Like I said, I don't agree with it still, but I understand the need to do it. I understand the cost because, you know, some of these places will have a sound guy and then they'll have a monitor guy and then they have a light guy and then they have three doors and they got a door guy at each one. Then they got two back doors and they got a door guy at each of those. And all those people need to be paid. Then your bartenders and all the other stuff. Like, I understand it, but I think that Again, the music industry suffered such a huge hit during COVID that I think everybody is just kind of struggling at the same time. Mm -hmm. And these Live Nation venues are probably struggling as well. And rather than rethink ways that they can, you know, do things differently, um, they're just trying to get a leg up on whatever they can. And as long as bands continue to say they're okay with this, I mean, like, like I said, not that I'm okay with it, but if somebody lets you do something, you're just going to keep doing it, you know? And at that point, you know, whose fault is it then really? I mean, is it our fault because we're not standing up about it? It's like, you know, it's like the girlfriend that cheats on you and you let her cheat. If you continue to let her cheat, you know, you're you're just as guilty as she is. So I feel like the right. only way we're going to make change with this is if bands start saying no and not being afraid of the consequences. Because that's really, that's what every band, that's their thing. It's like, well, if I don't say yes to this, they're not going to have me play there. Well, so what? Right. Go play somewhere else. Yeah, There's thousands of else. venues you can go play. And, you know, the the big thing with a lot of this kind of stuff is bands are enticed with opening slots because there's this idea 
that if you open for X band or you've played with X band, you get bragging rights and you can go to your buddies and say, well, I opened for this band. And, you know, maybe it's because I'm 47 years old, but I just don't give a shit about any of that anymore. What I care about is, can I make real connections with my fans? Can I, can I have people show up who are going to enjoy what I do? Am I going to be able to make enough money to pay my bills at the end of the day? You know, those are the concerns I have. So when I weigh a show, uh, you know, the pros and cons, um, you know, sometimes there's cool shows where we've been like, holy shit, you know, we want to go do that with that band. But a lot of the time, it's just basically like, are we going to play to people? Are these people going to dig what we do? Um, you know, because if I can get in front of people who will like what we do, I feel like I have a shot to convert these people, you know? So I think bands just got to start, uh, you know, having a little more respect for themselves and worrying less about, you know, things like, you know, am I going to get blacklisted from this club for saying no to an opening slot, which most of the time nobody's going to get blacklisted because they say no to something. You know, it's just, I don't know where that ever came up, but I've heard bands say that they're like, well, if I say no to the show, they're probably never going to have me back. No, they're probably not going to care. They're going to go to the next person who wants to do it. And they'll probably come around and ask you for another show again later on. Okay. That's a, there's a whole lot there to digest. (laughs) First off. Wow. Um, Jason, what are your first thoughts? Well, I mean, like I said, being in a band that's never been told uh, we have to give up 10% or 20% of a merch cut, um, <clears throat> I I can't really relate, I guess, in that sense. Although, like, I know, like, when I go see Iron Maiden and I'm paying $55 a shirt, I know why I'm paying $55 a shirt. It's not because the shirt costs $50 to make. It's because Live Nation tax a fee on, and then Iron Maiden's like, well, you know what, to, to cover the cost of this fee – we're going 20% on top of their 20%. So there you are, $55, $60 all day long for sure. Right. Um, so, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, <clears throat> I think a lot of it, too, um, with the uh, bigger venues taking a cut, it's because a lot of these bands are, like, at a point now where they need, like, a minimum size stage. And I think these venues kind of know they got them. Like, yeah. So, for instance, like, the biggest city near me is Charlotte. It's two hours away. Um, there's a Live Nation venue down there called the Fillmore, which, you know, pretty much 80% of the bigger bands like uh, Your Testaments, uh, Amon Amarth, uh, like Kill Switch Engage, bands of that <clears throat> uh, stature play there because the stage is the smallest they can get by with for like their drum riser and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're kind of just like stuck in this one area that's the only venue they can really play at. And they're just like, well, we'll just raise costs to cover the cost, you know. They have like they'll have like somebody there like a manager for all their stuff and then and then the employees just like you know give me shirt A and they just grab a box out of shirt A you know or a shirt out of box A and and there they go you know and then they get paid for the night and then, uh, but the thing that gets me is like band should be like you take merch cut we take beer cut because <laughs> without us there nobody's drinking this beer right yeah you know. So it should just be cut of 20% of all extras all the way around. 
and you know, and, and the bands would make out better. I guarantee it. <clears throat> exactly right there, Jason. Is that's exactly what I was thinking about earlier, where uh, Tom was talking about, you know, just saying fucking no, or coming back and saying, okay, well, that's not going to work. You know, here's what I suggest. Because yeah. this whole business was based on fucking negotiation to begin with. Because it's entertainment. There's no set fucking uh, rule book for it, you know? Right. Yeah, you don't know if you, if you don't ask. And that's the thing is like, um, and I don't mean any disrespect to any bands when I say this, but most of the bands that I have encountered are bad at negotiating. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's anything, you know, it's any kind of slight, but the reality is that, you know, you're dealing with people who are artists and artists make art. Like that's what they do. They're not businessmen most of the sure. time. They're artists. So their brains work on a level where creating is their focus. So it's, you know, it's not uncommon to find a band that's full of guys who don't know how to handle business. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, someone has to step up and be like, okay, I'm out of my element. I don't understand this, but I want to learn more so that I can make better decisions and negotiate better things for my band. And, uh, I, you know, we, us being a two piece, like it just, it was one of those things where in the early days I was having a really hard time and I needed to, you know, I needed us to do better. So I started reading books. I started, you know, listening to guys talk about business and not even just like music business stuff, but just like listening to like business guys talk about, you know, selling and negotiating and that sort of thing. And um, so I just started kind of putting some of those tools into practice with the band. And now, um, you know, I try to like help other younger bands and stuff and be like, Hey, like you shouldn't do that. Don't let somebody do that to you. You know? And sometimes I can be a little preachy when I do that kind of stuff. And I've had to watch how I, how I address it. But um, what I try to do is just be like, Hey, you're better than that. You should be playing that spot for a hundred bucks. You're right. worth more than a hundred bucks. What I always say to everybody is every band, no matter how shitty you are has worth. Everybody does. If you can bring one person to a show, you're worth at least that one person's ticket price. So what bothers me is when you have a band, and I, I've seen that a lot with the, with our town, especially in some of the local openers, um, these bands are so grateful for the opportunity and just want to play that they'll pay for, you know, play for a hundred bucks. And in the beginning, we all have to do that. But at a certain point, when you start seeing 25 people at your show or you start seeing 15 people at your show, you need to be doing head counts and going, okay, we had 15 people here this time. So the next time I talk to those people about our, our gig here, I'm going to say, well, last time we drew about 15 people. So I'd like us to get $150 this time, you know, stuff like that. And, and it's, it really is something as simple as just paying attention to what you're drawing and where and keeping track of it so that you can be a better negotiator. Absolutely. And when you go to some of these places, you know, if it's a place where you're selling, you know, a hundred cap room out, 
and they want to take your merch cut, just be like, nah, and go somewhere else. Right. And you can tell that next venue, hey, we sold this other room out at 100 cap. Um, this is what we want. But bands are just, they're hungry, you know, and they want to play because, like we said, that that artist part of them, that creator part, mm-hmm. doesn't think about that other side. So I think it's just, it's one of those things where we, we all have to get better at the business side, which sucks. <laughs> right. Because the business side isn't fun. Right. But in order to make our lives easier and better and be treated better, we have to kind of learn the business. Because, I mean, you're dealing with business people for the most part, whether it's a small bar or a big venue, that's a business owner. Yes. So you have to walk in like a business owner. And uh, one of the things I always say when I'm talking to people is I try to let them know that I also am a small business owner. I understand having a bottom line. I understand your costs are what they are. If our price doesn't work for you, I'm not offended at all. We can go our separate ways and everything is fine. Um, But this is my bottom end. If my bottom, you know, doesn't, doesn't work for you, that's fine. No hard feelings. We'll move on and we'll work with other people. And I found that that approach usually works pretty well because then they realize, well, okay, this guy understands that I have to make X amount of dollars. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, it's just, like I said, it's one of those things, the business side and the music side just are really hard to mix, you know, with musicians because most of them just, they don't have a, single bone in their body that <laughs> right that wants anything to do with that. And that's the horror story that, you know, you heard from all the bands in the fucking seventies and eighties and, and even into the end of the uh, mid nineties about getting fucked over by, you know, their managers and shit like that. Cause they signed away their fucking power of attorney and fucking lost all their fucking, all their money and shit. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, the music business has been a problem for a long time. This is definitely not a new thing. We encounter new problems with, you know, with time right now. The biggest things are, you know, streaming, royalties not being good enough, and um, Ticketmaster is a hot one, and then this merch cut stuff is our is our current focus. But, you know, there's been... There's been all kinds of stuff for years that's been, you know, a problem because you have corporate suits and and tie type, you know, people uh, running what we all consider to be the the big part of the music industry, the labels, the the Live Nation venues. It's all run by you know the corporate machine, and uh, without getting too political about it, it's uh, right. it's one of those where they're not concerned with, you know, most musicians because most musicians are not, you know, making enough money to care about. You know, they're not bringing in enough people for them to care about. And unfortunately, there's a ton of really good bands touring who are selling out two and 300 cap rooms who are amazing. Um, And they're bands that, you know, you tell other people, you know, they're only selling out a two or 300 cap and they're like, Whoa, those guys. But it's, you know, that's, that's where a lot of the so-called big artists are. They're, they're in two and 300 cap rooms. Mm-hmm. They're not in thousand seaters. 
you know so that's to, and to me that's that's depressing because some of my favorite bands um you know can maybe fill a 200 cap and on a good day and they should really be making bigger bucks playing bigger rooms playing better tours with better venues but the system just kind of is what it is right you know Hot in the Hellfire, no sleep till death. Starting Thursday, August 24th, 2023, Reverb Lounge in Omaha, with select dates in Chicago, Detroit, Newport, Indianapolis, Brooklyn, Wallingford, Philadelphia, Washington, Atlanta, Pensacola, Lafayette, and more. Check listings on Facebook and the Haunt the Nation fan No sleep till death. There, no, absolutely, and there's a band that, well, you know, I'll I will not name that can do the same thing that w- w- did actually get picked up for a pretty big fucking tour for them. And it's just like going back to the club right after that and doing the, the club tour again. And it's just like, wow, it's like, man, you guys were on this fucking awesome fucking, you know, like 25 date tour with so-and-so and fucking like, you should be fucking like, onto the next one like that and it's mm-hmm. like and when, and it almost feels like it, it feels criminal when when you see somebody go back to the club that's done that I think yeah well you know the other thing too is um, we've had people that will be like oh man why why are you why are you opening this show or why are you not headlining and I'll be like dude we're nobody here. Like just cause you saw us in a city where we, you know, can draw 75 to a hundred people. doesn't mean we do that everywhere. Right. There are places we go where they don't know who the fuck we are. Right. And that's, that's the part of touring that, you know, is, is tough because you make a dent somewhere and you start to feel like, man, this city is really starting to feel good. Like we're starting to pull people. We're starting to sell merch really well. And then the next night you go somewhere else, like on a Wednesday in Tupelo, Mississippi or something, and uh, you play to two people. So it's like every up, there's like two big steps down, right? (laughs) you know? So it's like, it's soul crushing because like you get these highs that are just unbelievable, you know, like speaking of Tupelo, Mississippi, the very first time we ever played Tupelo, Mississippi um we played 150 cap room and we filled it first time we ever played there and that doesn't happen often like normally you play a place the first time and it's like you and the bartender and you got to play there a dozen times before anything happens but we walked in the door and it was awesome and it you know and to this day that's one of 
my favorite shows that we've ever played just because the reaction like everybody knew the words to the songs like we sold a ton of merch like it was just an amazing night but i remember the night after we played there we played i think birmingham alabama and uh played for a door (laughs) and it was like five people there oh my god (laughs) So it was like we had this big moment where we were like, yes, people know who we are. And then the next night it was like, yep, you ain't shit. Nobody cares. Brings <laughs> <laughs> you back real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The biggest show, the biggest show we ever played uh, was at a place called the Orange Peel. Um, we opened up for a pretty big band and we got like 200 bucks and like all these people were like, man, you were awesome and everything. And then we played a show like a week and a half later in the same in our hometown again, and nobody showed up. We were like, "Yeah, we're gonna have all these people who are at this show come here, and it's gonna like do good." There was like eight people. Nobody even knew we played that show. And then like a month later, we went to Johnson City, Tennessee, and like six people were at the show um, that we that we played in, in Asheville. <coughs> saw us open for this band, and we had like, a pretty good turnout in Johnson City, Tennessee. So, like, the thing about, like, local bands, like, playing, like, um, bigger shows, it's, like, cool to, like, play with, like, bigger bands. But you got to remember, like, I would say probably, like, 50% or more of the people are from out of town. And you'll probably Mm -hmm. never see them again unless you, like, look up and go to the town they live in and they remember your name. So, like, the allure of the big bands, like, kind of wears really fast when you you figure this out. Right. Yeah, yeah, and the the other thing with that too is like you know they're really there to see that that band, not you. I don't know about you. Might not even get people there to see you. You know, what's that? <clears throat> Go ahead. Well, the in my experience too, it's like just because you're on a show with those kind of bands, yeah, um, doesn't necessarily mean those people will watch you because some of them will just hang outside till yeah, the band smart. plays. So, I mean, you know, I've I've seen it where we've played, you know, a show where it's, you know, a 400 cap room and there's 300 people there. And when we play, there's like 60 people in the room. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's not that it's not that you sucked. It's not that they didn't like you. It's that they weren't interested because they weren't hooked, you know, before you played. So, you're relying on them being in the room to play too, which if they're not there and they're just hanging outside, I mean, you know, very much. Absolutely. Yeah. It makes me wish that uh, smoking was just outlawed. So, you know, <laughs> cigarettes were more of an attention getter than, uh, than live music. Well, I mean, give it time. It's happening. Slowly but surely. But the thing is I'm getting old. I can't wait much longer for this to happen. It's not going to matter. <laughs> you're going yeah, well, to be 73 and it's going to be outlawed and you will not, yeah, yeah. So you will play not have played drums for a decade. And, yeah. and then you're going to come out of retirement <clears throat> for to be able to play this show where, band, where people have to be in the room. Well, the thing is, cigarettes will be outlawed, but weed is going to be legal in all 50 states. So it's not, it's going to be even worse because then everyone's just be stoned and sitting around on their phone and, you know, not even care. So No, they'll I be sure watching the stream of you and in the room at the same time is what it'll be. Okay. <laughs> See, and I live in Wisconsin, and I bet you anything we will be one of the last states to legalize it. Indiana, oh, no, North Carolina still doesn't have medical, so we're 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 dragging our ass too down here. Um, it's uh, it's pretty wild up here, man. Like, 
our state is very, very conservative. And uh, when it comes to, well, so the thing is like Wisconsin is a small state, but we have, we have Milwaukee and we have Madison and we have Green Bay. Um, so we have some, you know, some decent sized cities and those cities are a little more liberal in their views of, you know, things like legalizing marijuana and stuff. But the problem is we have so many rural markets, you know, mm-hmm. in small towns and those are predominantly conservative leaning politically. So they're all very against the idea of legalization right. and that's a lot of votes. So um, our problem is we just, we have a lot of very, very conservative Christian types that do not want to see weed legalized. And um, yeah, it's a problem. And right. we have, we have Michigan just across the border who legalized it and everybody goes up there to get it. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody's getting it. And then, you know, we're arresting people across the border for having gummies. Like, come the fuck on. Really? Yeah. I they, thought I was it's, yeah. Like, I, I saw somebody posted on Facebook not too long ago. Um, cops had this big stash of all this stuff they confiscated just over the Michigan border. And they were like, we're doing great things and blah, blah, blah. And they had this... They had this poor drug dog, dude. They had this poor drug dog just sitting there in the picture, and I just felt so bad for the dog. Yeah. I was like, this poor dog. Oh my like, God. they're making him be party to this bullshit. Yeah, the thing that kills me, like, these people are like, oh, we can't legalize weed. It's like, what do you think, the crime rate's going to go up? Have you ever met someone on weed? Dude, there's nothing happening except for some munchies happening. Yeah, and watching that's it. true. What the fuck? To be honest they're with you, if they legalize it, it'd probably be more peaceful. Everywhere. I bet you the crime rate would go yeah. Easy. <laughs> Everybody will be aggressively napping. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> like, we should go. We should go, like rob this guy down the road, Steve. And Steve's like, "Don't you fucking hide? Get off the chair right now." So I mean, yeah. it's like, okay, crime, there, there's well, a crime inverted, man. And you, you know, know, and and then here's the thing too: is like, you know, you can do shit responsibly. You know, whether it be yeah. uh, smoke, drink, whatever. Is you know the not everybody is a fucking raging lunatic with sure. it. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, there are the people that are, but fucking, you know, I've offered and been like, no, I have to drive. Oh, oh cool. You know, yeah. and you know, that's fucking awesome. You know, that, that somebody could have that control. Like, that's mm-hmm. not the shit that you ever hear about. <laughs> and, I, and just the fact that Uber and Lyft are so fucking easy to use. I mean, it's like if you get messed up in a bar, and you know, it's pretty inexpensive to get home. Um, whether or not your car is going to be messed with while you're while you're at home is a different story. But at least you can make it home without getting a DUI or wrecking or killing someone. You know, right? So, yeah, it's just a chance you got to take. You know, anymore. So nobody can leave anything alone. It seems uh, in bigger cities, for sure. Yep, very much so. So I still want to do a derailed segment here, Jason. We've been yeah, let's going go. on for I think it pretty quick here, but yeah, uh, it, it, it kind of did. Um, so, oh, one more thing, one more thing before we get started. You had another post too. I found at almost as humorous about the pay uh, to play promoter hitting you up for a venue that you play pretty regularly. Oh yeah, I that was a good one that. too. Because I remember back in the day when I when we were starting, 
we did actually do pay to plays because our reason was like, well, we need some pictures um, for like good pictures, like in a nice venue, other than like down the road, like the boiler room or something. So for let's sure. go play this, and like we can like hire someone to take pictures of us live and stuff like that. But we we're never under the grandeur of like, man, we're really gonna win this off our talent. I know this song. Is gonna send us over the top. Like, no, the the band that sold like forty two tickets, that's the band that's gonna win. That wasn't really the point. But some of these bands that like still do pay to play and they should know better. Not gonna mention any names, Mark. Um, we know, I, we we know one. Um, <laughs> like, what the fuck were you thinking? Like, yeah, we finished fourth and got like fan favorites. Sorry. Like, dude, are you fucking serious? You're proud of that? Like, you were just a you're a sucker, dude. That's all. That's all it was. But um. Yeah, I just wanted to say, like, I thought it was humorous that they, like, I the these promoters would be didn't fan even, favorite. Uh, yeah, the promoters didn't even look you up to see, like, how big you were. They just assumed, like, you needed a, a show and they were going to, like, try to mooch off you. Right. Yeah. Well, here's my thing with, with pay to play. Like, if it's, if it's a production fee, I'm okay with that. Because, again, it goes back to I don't have a problem paying people to do the work. If you're going to do work, I think everybody should get paid to do work. What I don't like is when people are not doing work and they're just taking money away to do nothing. But like, if it's a prod fee, like Nashville is real big on prod fees. Like if you play anywhere in Nashville, it's like 300 bucks to play anywhere. Um, And uh, so I'm not crazy about it, but if I see a room in a market we need that I'm pretty sure we can draw well in, uh, and the sound is good. That's the other thing. If I'm paying a sound guy 300 bucks, I want immaculate sound. Yeah, better sound good. I, and yeah, outside. Yeah, I don't want to have to scream at him all night about turning my monitors up so I blow my voice out. That's because that's a big concern for me now. Because as I get older, it gets harder and harder to maintain my voice. So the sound, uh, you know, we're a loud band. We just are. Uh, but I will always turn my amps down if I need to in order to save my voice. Right. Now, if it's if it's just the sound guy doesn't know how to run sound, I don't want to turn my amps down, but I will to save my voice um, because my voice is how I make money. I can't do this without it. Like, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a singer that plays guitar. Like, I, I don't consider myself as much of a guitar player as I do a singer. I mean, I've been singing since I was, you know, probably like 10 years old. Um, But like, I got to make sure my voice is okay. So if I get to a place and they're like, Oh, we take a $200 fee to pay the sound guy. And we take a hundred dollars to pay the door guy. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm okay with that. But if that guy does not run sound well, and is taking his sweet time setting up or is demanding weird things of me. I had a guy, I had a guy once, I won't name him and I won't say where this took place, but some people might know where this happened. Um, So I had a show and the show was great. Um, But the sound guy wanted us, we were direct support for the headliner. And then there was an opener in front of us. He wanted all three of us to be fully set up on the same stage like not just like amps back lined or anything. I mean, he wanted full drum kits up there. He wanted full guitar rigs. Now my guitar rig is huge. Yeah. So like, 
you know, that's a bunch of space. Then a full drum kit and then another guy in front of us with the headliner behind us. That's a lot. And the stage wasn't that deep. So I made the mistake. I was, you know, a friend was one of the promoters and I love him dearly. So I didn't want to rock the boat with him. Had he not been involved, I would have probably lit this guy up. But my friend was was one of the promoters. So I was like, you know what? I'll deal with it. I don't want to stress him out. I'll deal with it. So what ended up happening was we had to be situated so that Mitch was facing this way and I was facing this way. So we weren't looking at each other. And a lot of what we do is about like communicating with our bodies and like our, our looks, you know, yeah, we look at each other. Yeah. So like the songs are rehearsed and they're tight and they have pieces that are always the same, but then there's some parts that change depending on the chemistry that he and I are feeling. Right. Um, so like that was awkward. And then the sound was kind of weird, but it was like, I was right at the edge of the stage, like crammed up against the monitors. So I couldn't hear the monitors because they were blasting my ankles. So it was one of those things where it's like, you know, this guy should not get paid a ton of money. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if I go someplace and I've got awesome monitors and I can hear everything, the guitar sounds good. The guy's like super accommodating. That guy should totally make his money. You know, but like if I go somewhere and I play poorly and somebody doesn't get their money worth, they're probably going to let me know. They're probably not going to want to pay me what I normally get, you know. So as far as like the pay to play thing goes for prod fees, like sound and door and stuff like that, if it's a good venue, I'm usually OK with it. Um, we have really never done the the ticket thing that a lot of bands have done um, where they give you like 30 tickets and you get two bucks a ticket or whatever that is. Um, I've never, I've had a couple clubs offer me deals like that. And I always just say no. And usually I'm in, I think three total. I've had that three times total and all like one of the times they were just like, well, that's what we do too bad by but the other two times i just said well that's not what we do this is a market where we can pull 40 50 people like we normally get a guarantee at x club and then they ended up giving us a guarantee and we didn't have to sell any tickets so that goes back to that whole thing of just saying no you know it's not going to work every time but i mean you don't know unless you try right right no, absolutely. And that's that's really what it is, you know. It's all a negotiation-based thing. Just fucking stand up for what you believe in and fucking say no and counter. Fucking counter everything. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, like, you know, not everybody might agree with me on this, but at the end of the day, I love my band, I love what I do, and... You know, this is probably the only thing that people will pay me to do that I'm actually any good at. Um, but like at the end of the day, it's it's a band, it's music, it's it's not the end of the world if something doesn't work out. You know, like the important stuff. Um, you know, like my wife and my family. Like that's really to me. That's the stuff that. I can't live without if something doesn't happen with music. I mean, I'm not going to die. I'm not going to, you know, 
I'm not going to have any real catastrophic problems if something doesn't work out with music. But uh, I think at the end of the day, you just got to like, you got to take it seriously, but you can't take it too seriously. Yeah, I don't be able to separate the two. Yeah, like these bands like you you play with, some of them like, yeah, we fucking suck. So, you know, you just steal our shit for free online or whatever. I'm like, dude, I was like, if you're not believing in yourself, why are you doing this? It's like we don't give we don't give anything away for free. I mean, like nothing, dude. We don't even we don't have like guest guest list on our shows or like anything. We're just like, look, four of us took time out of our day to pack up all our shit, drive here, set it all back up, tear it back down, and load it back up to play next time. It's like you can give us five dollars. Yeah. Yep. Quite all right. <laughs> If you want to know something, Tom? Well, that's the he, thing. He's, he's like, lying about that. He gave me a free CD. <laughs> it was a live CD, Mark. It wasn't really worth much. <laughs> oh, damn. Give me that back. I'll give you a download code. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what were you going to say, Tom? I, I was just going to say, like, we all need to be a little more and myself included um we all just need to be a little more we we need to have some faith in the art we create you know we need to realize that you know it's valuable to us and it could be valuable to somebody else because i mean there's there's something for everybody out there and no matter how weird your music is or whatever there's always going to be somebody who gets it sure you know so it it all has value, it all has worth, and we just need to have a little more confidence in what we do in general, you know, and uh, be proud of it, you know? Yeah, I agree. I don't think people should treat it as a throwaway. Um, you know, if you, if, you, if you throw it away, then I'm not going to – I'm not really not going to pay attention to your band. I only want to listen to people who believe in what they do and like it and, and try it. Like, no, I'm not saying that every song everyone does is amazing. Like there's songs by my favorite bands I, I skip over as soon as I hear it. Like, um, you know, there's some ACDC songs. Like, if I never heard it again, I'd be perfectly fine with that. <laughs> but I love ACDC, but yeah. I've shook all night long after hearing it for the 6,000th time, you know, in my life. Probably so it's just stuff like that. You know? um, do what? Probably the 6 millionth time. It could be. Um, but yeah, I think all musicians, like, no matter what the genre, if they're really like, proud of their stuff then they should convey it as you know being proud of it and charging for it because it's a lot of work dude studios aren't cheap either and to get that stuff no. out you know? no. yeah I mean just um, like you were saying earlier every band's valuable if they believe it so mm-hmm. you should reward them by going to see live shows and buying the CD and then buy the buy the album and then listen to it on Spotify to you know get the play count up even though I know it's it's a lot of plays for a penny, but at least you're trying. Well, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Mark. I'm done. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, to get the play count up, you know, that's that's the big thing these days. But there's, you know, look at some of these bands out there. There's some of them that, that do insanely well. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. that are just almost like, holy shit numbers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I was listening, when I was refreshing up on uh, 20 Watt, today before this i noticed that you have like once on like four hundred ninety-seven thousand. like dude that's that's pretty damn good man um for a band of th- in this genre you know especially 
So it goes it goes up and down for us. Um, when we released the two cover songs that we put out um, in 2020, uh, it shot up to like I think 24,000 monthly listeners. Yeah, and then uh, it we kind of hover between like. 17k and 14k usually somewhere around there and sometimes it dips a little further but um i always tell people too like i get in the the spotify debate quite frequently with people because i i have kind of a unique perspective to a degree on that i don't think that spotify is well let me rephrase i don't think that boycotting spotify is the answer I don't think that that does uh, what people think it does. So my, my thing is, you know, if you boycott, like, cause let's, let's be real. Most of the bands that need people's support are not the Metallica's and Taylor Swift's of the world. They're, they're bands like mine, you know, who um, don't make very much. Right. So when these people boycott Spotify because of Spotify's ethics, and the way they pay people, the only people that suffer are the bands. Like Spotify doesn't notice. Spotify doesn't skip a beat. They they are not going, oh man, Steve so-and-so from Wausau, Wisconsin, uh, he he's not listening to us. Man, we might have to rethink our business plan. They don't give a fuck about anybody. They're making millions, mm-hmm. billions. Um, so my thing is, buy the merch at the shows, buy everything the band has, and then go stream their music because you are giving them every single cent you possibly can then. Sure. Um, and as far as Spotify goes, you know, how do we change it? How do we make them, you know, be a, a more fair paying streaming service? Well, boycotting them is not the answer. And I think we need to approach it um with our legislators and because one thing that pisses me off is when people bitch about stuff like this on facebook and how they're going to boycott spotify and then they do nothing to actually make a change in the system right so like write your lawmakers tell them this bothers you if enough people do that it'll become enough of an issue that they'll have to address it in some way they might not change it but they'll at least need to talk about it and that's the thing, like, this isn't even a, a talked about issue for politicians right now. No, right. You know, it's, you never hear this stuff brought up, you know, by lawmakers because nobody brings it up to them. So my thing is, if we want to affect change in the streaming world, we need to stop pointing the finger at the streaming services and start pointing the finger at our lawmakers and make them make these people be more accountable for what they're doing because these people are like, it goes back to what I said before. If somebody allows you to do something long enough, you're just going to keep doing it. So we need to have laws in place that make things like paying artists, whatever the fuck you feel like it, not a thing anymore. We need to have like actual numbers. This is what we get paid. Um, And that's only going to happen if we can, you know, attack it with, you know, with our lawmakers rather than, boycotting spotify and the other thing about spotify is it's not even the lowest payer pandora is and nobody gives pandora any shit like mm-hmm. pandora pays way less than anybody else right uh, 
you know, and Pandora is labeled as this, like, oh, it's for the artists. Like, it's the, you know, it's our project. We only pick certain bands. Well, last I checked, Spotify paid like three times what Pandora does. Mm-hmm. And uh, nobody's talking about Pandora. If it's bad for Spotify to do it, it's twice as bad for Pandora. Yeah. But again, the only way we're going to see any change about it is if we actually go to the source and try to make them more accountable for what they're doing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the whole like uh, Taylor Swift ticket debacle is the only reason like they even brought it up about like, oh, you mean there's a monopoly between Ticketmaster and Live Nation? You mean they sell tickets to their own venues? Those mm-hmm. sons of bitches. And like, dude, they did this like 20 years ago. What the hell? Where have, where have y'all been? You know? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> like selling parking passes in like downtown venues. It's like, there's nowhere to park at a baseball stadium. Or really, you know, it's all like you take subways and buses and shit there. And why are you charging me a parking fee for everyone in my party? Like, it's not just like me. It's my son has to pay a parking fee. My wife has to pay a parking fee. Like, we're taking the same car. What the fuck is this? You know, just just stuff like that. Right. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's fun talking shop. <laughs> it someone is. who has lived it, it really. is. But honestly, you know, um, yeah, the, I don't think we need a derailed on this. Oh, we could do real quick. Just three. Just three. What is what is derailed? Oh, it's just like derailed is usually five random questions um, from. Let's do it. All yeah. right, we're gonna do it. We're gonna favorite we're gonna fast, go ahead and do derailed here. So I'm ready. <laughs> my screen is gonna be kind of weird and wonky, but yours should not be. In a time of madness and deceit, its coming was foretold. And now Soul Grinder has returned to come building crushing. From the band who brought you the prophecy of blight comes a terrifying new chapter that will leave you changed forever. This summer, dawn the armor of atrophy. Let plasma crush away and become filth and crusted. Should not be a thing. <laughs> and like I said, these come from interview decks that I'm just going to uh, just go with it. Would you rather be a baby face or a heel wrestler? A good guy or a bad guy? I think I'd probably be the bad guy. You think so? I think so. See, because the psychology behind that is this. I have to be a nice guy in my daily life all the time. So if I got to be a bad guy for pretend, I mean, you know. Yeah, for that'd sure. Probably be. Could could you do a promo? Could you be like this Sunday, brother, or, or something like? <laughs> Actually, if you want to see all the promo you can handle, uh, you should check out my solo thing that I do, Reverend Mean Tooth. Yeah. I uh, I play Delta Blues and I wear uh, wear a white suit sometimes and scream about religion and cults and shit and uh sometimes i wear black metal face paint when i do it oh good god yes <laughs> why did i not already know about this now you learn that's why i got to talk to him mark you learn about yes it. that is so awesome jason what about you what would you be uh 
for a wrestler uh for a wrestler yeah would you be a oh, baby heel. F- you'd be a heel also yeah. Yeah. you'd yeah i could see that i could see you being that way like when i play video games and i you can be like good or bad i'm always like leaning toward the asshole yeah <laughs> you know it's like when you play fallout 4 and it's like you go to like Preston's camp, and he's like, "Man, I really need you to go check the settlement. Like, why isn't there an option? Like, go fuck yourself, Preston, and just walk off, you know? But like, you can just pick the one closest. Like, I don't have time for your shit. See you later, you know? <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Question two: What are your thoughts on the Winchester Mystery House? I don't even know what that is. Wow. Uh, yeah, what is either? Do you don't know what it is either, Jason? I'm Wait a not. second. Is that is that like a sex move? Is that what that is? The no, Winchester that is not. haunted house. No, is the... that something you're like? Hey, I gave her the Winchester haunted house last night. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there is a band in Louisville that's named after this house, Rifle. Uh, so the Winchester Mystery House, for those who do not know, um, namely, they made a movie about it, right? Huh. They made a movie about this, right? I think so. Winchester but basically, um, it was the the widow of the um, the gentleman who created Winchester uh, rifles um, that she thought that the uh, the ghost would come back and haunt her and her family for all of the ones who were killed by their guns. Oh. So what she did is in her home, she built. Uh, she had like contractors build like fucking doors that didn't that opened into walls, stairways that went into nowhere, fucking all kinds of crazy shit to confuse the ghosts. Nice. Yeah, I just went uh, to Winchester House. I didn't. I didn't know it was called the Mystery House. So yeah. So huh. see, that's that's a wild one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now I know. Yeah. yeah. See, now you can do some research and write a fucking awesome song about it. I bet you my wife knows about it. Honestly, right. like she loves she loves haunted shit. I bet you tomorrow when I talk to her, if I mention it, she'll be like, "Oh yeah, didn't you know?" Blah blah blah. I bet you <laughs> right. Um, hey, it's fondue night. Cheese or chocolate? Dude, hey, this goes from Wisconsin. What the fuck, man? I live in Wisconsin. <laughs> we actually we have chocolate cheese. Oh, dude! Really? Yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> we uh, are quite the food—the food connoisseurs, Jason and I are. Like, how, how do you how do you cheese. do it? Do you just like mix equal parts of cheese and chocolate? Like, what kind of cheese do you, like? Do you use like a salty cheese or not so salty versus the chocolate? Or like, I'm I, really I'm really tempted to tell to like tell this story like I actually know what the method is, but I actually don't. So I'm just going to say, I don't know. Oh, dude, uh, I've oh, never tried it, but I have okay. seen it. It's Brown. It looks like fudge. Right. And yeah, you can find it at specialty cheese places. So, I mean, if you ever get to Wisconsin, um, hit up one of those cheese outlets. Yes. We have cheese outlets. Yes. Um, yes, you do. You might have some. We played up there back in, uh, October of last year at club Garibaldi in Milwaukee. Milwaukee, yeah, and it's a good spot. Uh, yeah, you could see definitely some uh, like the Cheese Castle up there is one of them. Uh, yep, and I wanted to stop, but we were on like a time crunch to get back to. Uh, we were going to Akron, or yes, Akron, that oh, night, damn. which is like an eight-hour drive. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, we didn't get a chance to stop at the Cheese Castle, um, 
But one of the cool things I thought up there uh, food-wise was we had stopped at a Culver's that was right out by our hotel. And the the cheese curds actually had like onion mixed with the with the with the batter, and that's not a thing here in Kentucky. They don't do it the same way. Well, we have what's called cheese curds here, right? Which are a cheese byproduct, and then some very uh, awesome person decided they would fry that shit. So, but yeah. Um, Culver's is like Culver's has good fried cheese curds, but uh, if you ever make it to Wisconsin again, there's a couple other places I'll recommend to you that have really good uh, fried cheese products. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And and the the uh, the chocolate cheese thing, uh, you know, that was like the first thing. Like I remember being like the weird food combinations you do as a kid or whatever. That's the the first one that I ever remember doing was uh, having a uh, a piece of cheese on a chocolate donut. Damn, that's crazy, and it's awesome. You sure you're not from Wisconsin? I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm not, but like, I'm just a fat dude. <laughs> yeah, I just like I just like carnival food. Like, sorry, you know? Yeah, right. Carn that is definitely carnival food sounding for sure. Um, uh, question four: uh, Did you see any movies in school that made like a, a, a an impression on you? Yes, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird I saw in school. Um, Lord of the Flies I saw in school. Um, I saw some horror movie in like third grade that I do not remember the name of, but it was like one of those really really crazy weird psychedelic looking seventies horror movies. Right. Uh, and now whenever I see any kind of movie that resembles it, I have like flashbacks to grade school watching whatever that was. But, uh, but yeah, there's, I know there's more cause that was a thing. That was a thing in the eighties. Like whenever your teacher just didn't want to do shit, they just be like, Hey kids, here's a movie. Here's Watch this while I go sit in the corner and do whatever. Car with, with the VCR on the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. I got one Mark that, um, that I've never forgotten. Is uh, Ernest Ernest goes to camp? Uh, oh wow! One that I watched in school, and I, I never I never forgot it. Second grade, y'all had cool movies. Yeah, we did good shit I, like that. Yeah, I remember my uh, science teacher later on uh, had a laser disc player. I thought that was amazing. Um, I think we watched Star Wars one day or something. Um, yeah. And the, the class period is like ninety minutes, and like it wasn't over, and we had to go. I was so pissed, even though I had seen Star Wars like a hundred times before it. I'd never seen it on LaserDisc, so I was like, oh, man, this, this is great. You know, and it's like, oh, fuck. They it's haven't the, built a Death Star yet. I can't go. It's the same quality as VHS. Do what? It's the same quality as VHS. Well, yeah, but, I mean, at the time. You not know, when you're a kid. Yeah, when yeah you're a kid, that's on, true. Not it's on a disc as big as a record, you know, a 12-inch. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So You know, surprisingly watch enough. Watch Star Wars on a circular bladed weapon hell yeah man <laughs> right surprisingly enough i only have one late one laser disc i think and it's jurassic park yeah that's about the time they were like trying to make it a thing but it really wasn't going to be a thing right yeah, yeah. And, and the bad thing is, is they're just basically giant video cds <laughs> pretty much but they look cool but they and look they're cool. all 
but the like the weird ones though, like with the cartridge. You know what I'm talking about? Laserdisc player. Yeah, there's one brand that's out there that's got like that where it's like a a, a cartridge or some shit. I don't think I know that one. I don't know. We'll have to check it out. But for yeah. sure, you know. Uh, anyways, I do have one more question. But before we do, as always, links are listed below. So please give a like, a share, and a follow. Go find these guys on all of the social medias. You know, give them all the support that you need. Go buy merch. Fucking go buy albums. Uh, you know, fucking seriously support these guys in any way you can when they're out on tour. See them on tour. Fucking awesome shit. Tom, thank you so much. Do you have any shout outs you want to give to anybody today? I mean, I don't really have any shout-outs, no. I like everybody. Everybody's cool, so. Not even your bandmate. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> He's a drummer. Fuck that guy. <laughs> he, he won't He won't even watch this, probably. He's too busy with baby stuff. He's even new dad. Uh, real quick before you go, I do want to plug one show you have. Uh, we are sponsored by uh, Shade Beast, and you're playing their sixth anniversary party in September September 30th with Horse Burner, which is amazing, and um, Tabernacle Choir and the Holy Ghost. That's that's the lineup for the second day. So, there's Are you guys going to be there? Um, I will not, probably. Uh, Athens is like three hours away from me. Oh. I'm in Asheville. Um, and it's probably five. Uh, Atlanta is eight for me, so... But um, if you do have a date around that um, that's open, I can give you a contact for okay. Year, so yeah, because Jason book shows and and I book shows too. But like I said, I know Atlanta's eight for me. So fuck yeah, uh, hell yeah. Uh, that's all I got. Awesome. So <clears throat> final question: Why do you think that we as people respect the dead more than we do the living? Oh boy. <laughs> um, well, I think at the core of that, um, you have religion partially to blame. I think that religions in general um, kind of create this mystique about death and that that definitely influences humans' opinion of like, death and the afterlife and all that stuff um so i think that's part partly what it is the other thing is just from a common sense point um they aren't here to defend themselves so i think you know from a common sense perspective if someone's not there to to defend themselves we automatically show them a degree more respect i guess um but who knows? I mean, I definitely think that religion kind of colors how a lot of people look at dead people. Though. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree with that. Yeah, as well. I was going to say, it's about like the not, not being here to defend themselves aspect for me anyway. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, like people who have died before you like, did way more with like way less because there was like way less to do. Like they're more like selfless and stuff like that. You know, whereas yeah. everyone today is just like, I'm important because I have Twitter like well are you though you know so yeah i I get it you know my internet is down fuck (laughs) my uh my thing is um my my grandma was was a lot like a mom growing up 
And she, to this day, is still very, like, you don't speak ill of the dead. Like, she's just that way. And when somebody is dead, you say nothing but positive things about them. Um, I'm not like that. I, I later in my life, I've kind of changed how I feel about a lot of things. And if somebody was an asshole when they were alive, they're an asshole when they're dead. They're still a fucking asshole. Yeah. And, uh, I may not parade around telling everybody what an asshole they were, but you know, um, if somebody asks, yeah, if somebody's like, Hey, what'd you think of so-and-so? He was an asshole. Yeah. Um, and you know, you know, I, I heard that concept when I read the book white line fever and it was, you know, that was a very Lemmyism that, you know, and, and he was talking about Randy Rhodes in that, in that segment mm-hmm. about how Randy was a fucking prick and, you know, he, why, and he asked the same thing. Why do you, you know, why do people after they die all of a sudden become a saint? No, they don't. They're an asshole in life. They're an asshole in death, too. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, very people, lemmy of you. I mean, it just, uh, I don't know. I, now that I'm older, I guess I just kind of have old guy syndrome where I just don't really give a fuck what people think of me anymore. <laughs> yeah, so. I'm, I'm getting there myself. It's, yeah, it's, it's getting there. Uh, I just recently turned 40. So, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. You're a baby yet. Uh, yeah, I'm a w- <laughs> wee lad. You said you're 47, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm 43. So, yeah, I am the I am, I am I'm, the baby. I'm older than both of you. Yeah, I know. I, you, I feel like I was talking to a real wise uh, saint here. Uh, I got the wizard beard uh, yeah, for exactly. you. Yeah, but here's the beard. funny thing is you have the wizard beard that still has mostly color. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean. Mine, it's the lighting. Mine is pretty much all white now in the in the beard, and Jason's is pretty much all white. Yeah, I got this weird like pad, like the under the undergrowth here, like it's like like you know like regular color, like brown hair, like my hair. Everything else is like white. I'm like, what the fuck is this not changed? Yeah. So let me ask you guys a question. Yeah, what's up? Sure. Do you have children? I do. I have I have two of my own as a twenty year old stepson. Do you uh, have a girl? I do. That's why your beard's all white, man. <laughs> oh, really? Is that is that what it is? I just figured it's because I was, you know, um, yeah, it could be, you know, because I have because uh, I have a wife, obviously, and my daughter, and like, boy, when they most of you go at it, it's like, oh my god, <laughs> girls, uh, girls are are something, man. I uh, I have well, my son is uh, going to be twenty four in July. But my my wife has three kids uh, from her previous marriage, and she has a daughter. And <clears throat> now her daughter is, you know, going to be twenty. But man, when she was a teenager, it was it was rough. rough. Teenagers rough in general are yeah. rough. But. Did you ever take your son out during the summer? Like, we're gonna, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take you to work and make him sling merch for you or anything. He he won't go. I've I've offered to take him out on the road a million times. He never wants to go. He he would rather uh, play video games and smoke weed. So, right. <laughs> so better time to, to watch it out there in Wisconsin. They'll get you. Sounds like yeah, yeah right. <laughs> no shit, dude. Um, so again, dude, thank you so much for coming on the Metal Forge this week. On our way out, what are we gonna play from you guys today? 
I'll leave that up to you guys, man. I, nah, man, this I is your never, show, dude. I never know what to say. Uh, I don't know. Um, do you do you have everything? Like, what do you, yeah. what do you have? I I I can get everything. Okay. <laughs> uh, I guess I would say Lair of the Swamp Witch is probably yeah, one of that's what I was gonna pick. The, it's one of the stronger tunes, I think. It's one of the ones people dig. So, all right, it's a good representation. Hell yeah, dude! And metalheads, as you heard him, this is from Twenty Watt Tombstone, Layer of the Swamp Witch.
in 2017. One man's vision and passion for all things metal started out as a record store in his house. Years later, the fight against a mainstream empire continues as Shade Beast. An independent metal collective and online store based in Athens, Georgia, is the world's premier heavy metal brand for music heads that value authenticity over the mainstream acceptance. Featuring original t-shirts from some of the best underground artists, as well as stickers, posters from the Shade Beast Presents concert series. Unique, one-of-a-kind collectibles and small curated selection of vinyl and cassettes from the masters old and new. Visit ShadeBeast.com and enter promo code SITHLORD for free domestic shipping on your first order, whether you're a new customer or returning. And be sure to join the Shade Beast social groups on Facebook and the interwebs to keep up with the new release announcements and talk all things metal and Star Wars. You'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and filth. Welcome to the night. You think you know Night Demon? Then the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast is for you. Step into the darkness as we peel back the curtain to give you an unprecedented, all-access look into the mind and the heart of the demon. We're talking band history, song analysis, studio anecdotes, stories from the road. It's everything a diehard Night Demon fan could want and more. This is the only place to learn the inside scoop the deep dive trivia, the untold tales from the band members themselves and those closest to the Night Demon story. Need more? The sacred Night Demon crypt will be pried open to reveal demo recordings that have never before seen the light of day, all with in-depth commentary by the band and the people who were there for the writing and recording process. This is a gold mine, a treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts. Since 2013, there has been a calling from the underground, from the graves of all those unholy, and they decided to make a zine to talk about all of this. Soul Grinder Zine! An independent metal zine to keep you informed on all things metal and horror from the underground. Available in both print and digital formats, they're bringing you the best interviews and reviews out there today. Not only do they do the zine, but they also do compilation CDs. Check them out at facebook.com slash soulgrinder.zine and start your subscription now. Hey everybody, let me tell you about the new sponsor of the Metal Forge, Unchained Tapes. They're an independent Pennsylvania tape label. They focus on extreme metal and punk with a killer approach to the tape scene. Visit their web store at unchainedtapes.bigcartel.com now to get your fill of tapes. And for being a Metal Forge listener, enter the code METALFORGE10 at checkout to get a 10% discount on your total purchase. 
That's unchainedtapes.bigcartel.com. What's up, Metal Forge fans? This is Alan Bishop, the alchemist of Indiana's Black Forest and head distiller at Spirits of French Lick. Do you find yourself drawn to the unexplained, fascinated by the Fortean, or enchanted by the paranormal? If the things that go bump in the night resonate in your mind, then tune into my brand new podcast, If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. Featuring first-hand accounts, collected stories, interviews, history, and speculation related to all things not of this world. Available now on Anchor, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and more. Set back, relax, and remember, if you have ghosts, you have everything. Hey, let me tell you guys about Mercenary Press. They're an independent London label and distributor of all things metal. Mercenary Press delivers the goods from their own independent zine. Trust me, you're going to want to get in on that. To distributing various bands from all over the world, including Cramp from Spain and Sadistic Force from Texas. Visit mercenarypress.bigcartel.com to find out what all they have in stock and what you can order. And for Metal Forge listeners, enter code MetalForge10 to receive a discount on your total purchase at mercenarypress.bigcartel.com. Check it out now. Hey, Metalheads, it's with great pleasure I get to tell you guys about a new sponsor to the Metal Forge, Ageless Art, New Albany. After 20 years of owning and operating Ageless Art in Clarksville, Indiana, Phil Garrett had a vision for a new type of tattoo studio, something that is clean and modern, sleek, refined, inviting. And he's done just that with Ageless Art in New Albany. You can find it at... 2736 Charlestown Road, New Albany, Indiana, 47150. Business hours are Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Sundays are 12 to 6. All sessions are appointment only, so give them a call and go get you some new ink. Or if it's your first time, go get your first one, baby. Maxwell's House of Music in Jeffersonville, Indiana, is the premier 12,500 square foot music superstore that has served both Southern Indiana and Louisville, Kentucky metro area for over four decades. Originally founded by Marvin and Beverly Maxwell in the 70s, this gym remains a Maxwell family-owned business. Mark Maxwell, along with his business partner, Whitney McNichol, continued the reputation as being the national resource for all things music. In 2022, the iconic Guitar Emporium of Louisville relocated to Maxwell's Music, creating the largest independently owned showroom in the region. The retail offerings at Maxwell's Music includes a huge selection of guitars, basses, amplifiers, effects pedals, modeling amps, keyboards, drums, banjos, mandolins, ukuleles, sound systems, stage lighting equipment, and accessories. 
The music education program at Maxwell's is second to none. From private instrument and voice lessons to DJ, EDM, recording, songwriting, and music theory, to Rock School, Weekend Warriors, and Maxwell's Music Lab, there is something for every age and every ability level. Down in repair land, guitar and instrument repairs and refurbishment are taken care of by the Maxwell's team of expert guitar technicians and luthiers. They also do appraisals of instruments as well. Maxwell's offers installations for professional audio, visual, and lighting systems for schools, churches, clubs, VFWs, funeral homes, sports fields, and so much more. There's also rentable space at Maxwell's, from the music practice and rehearsal rooms for the individuals and bands, all the way to a meeting space and concert venue that seats up to 120. That also includes a professional audio, visual, and lighting system and a sound booth. Maxwell's has it all. All this plus original functioning 1947 recording booth to make your own record. Go to the Guitar Hero Throne, to the very own Elvis statue, and don't forget the Harmony Green Pocket Park. There's a reason the Maxwell's House of Music in Jeffersonville, Indiana has been recognized by the National Association of Music Merchants as a number one award-winning best store design, as well as top 100 music store year after year. You gotta see it to believe it. Maxwell's House of Music in Jeffersonville, Indiana. (laughs) 